Blog Talk Radio. A good afternoon. Welcome to Caregiver and Physician Conversations, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. I'm Marjorie Pabst, your host and the author of both Enrich Your Caregiving Journey and Words of Care. Both of these books can be found on eCareDiary.com, on my website, MyCaregivingCoach.com, or on Amazon.com. The purpose of caregiver and physician conversations is to identify new medical trends and research, to provide ways to better communicate with medical professionals, and to garner tips from doctors who are practicing cutting-edge techniques for patients, caregivers, and their families. Today is absolutely no exception, as I welcome Dr. Michael Weiner back to the show to discuss the Brain Health Registry, an online tool for those afflicted with and those caring for Alzheimer's patients. Dr. Weiner is the principal investigator on various research projects for the Center for Imaging Neurodegenerative Diseases and has been so since 2004 uh, through 2013. He's the professor of radiology, medicine, psychiatry, and neurology at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Weiner's groundbreaking work is widely published, and his grants have included studies of Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, frontotemporal dementia, HIV, AIDS, and Gulf War illness, to name but a few. Dr. Weiner attended Johns Hopkins University and the State University of New York, was a resident at Mount Sinai, and a fellow at Yale. It is my pleasure to welcome you back, Dr. Weiner. Oh, it's great great to be talking to you again. Great. Well, I know that you are particularly enthusiastic about um, the potential of the Brain Health Registry. So please tell our listeners what it is and why it really matters. The Brain Health Registry is an Internet website which does clinical research on brain diseases, including Alzheimer's disease. The idea of the Brain Health Registry is to try to find a less expensive and more efficient way to do clinical research. We all want the same thing. We all want to find effective treatments and preventions and cures for Alzheimer's disease and other diseases that affect the brain. Everybody wants that, but we, we recognize that it's very difficult to find these treatments and cures. It's a very, very expensive process for researchers to do clinical studies and try out different kinds of drugs and, and enroll patients. and. Uh, for example, to do a typical trial of a treatment for Alzheimer's disease, the cost would be between 120 and 150 million dollars, 120 to 150 million dollars, just to do one big trial. Oh. And it's, it's kind of currently estimated that the cost of developing an effective treatment for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, is going to be about a billion dollars. That is, a company, a company is going to have a treatment in the end, a pill that really works for Alzheimer's disease. 
The company is going to have to invest a billion dollars to get to that pill. And the reason why is because there's, uh, it's, it's just very expensive to do this kind of work. And a big part of the expense is the cost of enrolling people into clinical studies to get people to come to a clinic, ask them information, perform tests on them. just takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, lots of salaries, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a very, very expensive, it's a very expensive business. So I'm very much involved in all of this. I have the largest grant in the world on Alzheimer's disease. It's called the Alzheimer's Disease Neuroimaging Initiative. Um, so we have a huge project, which we're following more than 1,000 people across the United States and Canada, and they're getting all kinds of tests. And our, our budget is uh, $12 million a year for this big project. And uh, I, so I see the costs, and I see how expensive it all is. And I've been asking myself, is there a better way to do this? Is there a less expensive way where we could get information without spending so much money? And I came up with the Brain Health Registry because the Brain Health Registry is a way to do research on the Internet. So in other words, if a subject wants to get involved in brain research, they don't have to go to a hospital and go to a clinic and have, be interviewed. They can simply go to a website and sign up and answer some questions and get involved with the research project. So oh. if any of the people who are listening to me are interested, all they need to do is go to a brainhealthregistry.org or just put on your search engine Google Brain Health Registry. You will see our website, and all you got to do is click on Join, sign a consent form, and, and you're in. And I can explain more about what, what happens. Yeah, this is wonderful news, Dr. Weiner. And congratulations, and thank you for your innovative work and, and moving forward and not just doing the, the traditional way. You've really broken the paradigm uh, for everyone. So how does it work? So I, let's say I go online and I sign up, as you've mentioned, and um, then how, do, how does it work? My information is um, commingled with other, other types of information and well, okay, so here's, here basically, so there's a couple of aspects to this project. It's a, it's a website project. It's mm -hmm. run under the auspices of the University of California, San Francisco, which is my university. So mm -hmm. all of the information is completely protected and private and cannot be released. And uh, so your, your, whatever private health information you give and your name and all of that is very, very carefully kept like a medical record. Uh, but if, if, when you go into the site, the first thing you would do is you would give your email address as your username, and you would choose a password so you can come back into the site whenever you like. So, so you put in a username and a password, and then you click Join or Submit, and the next thing you'll see is a consent form. It's a very simple one-page uh, sheet that explains... Uh, that your information will be kept private uh, and uh, explains that there are very little risks to you to this project and explains that the data will be shared with other scientists but not your private information. And then you sign the consent form by just clicking on a box and then you're into the main part of the website. 
<clears throat> now the main part of the website has a number of features to it, but the first feature you will see is a series of questionnaires about your health, about your memory, about your diet, family history, physical exercise, lifestyle, alcohol use, sleep, uh, and your mood. There will be questions about are you depressed, are you feeling anxious, uh, 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 questions about emotions. So we are trying to capture a lot of information about each subject through these questionnaires we, because we're interested in how brain function correlates or relates to diet and exercise and mm -hmm. depression and sleep and family history. Yeah. Right. And then after you've answered all these questions, which only take about five minutes, then there are some tests that you can take, which we call cognitive tests. These are essentially a kind of a memory test. Uh, they are tests that you will see something like a playing card or some other kind of a picture, and then you'll be asked if you remember it. Uh, they're fun to take. It's kind of like a bit of a game. In fact, one mm -hmm. of the companies we're working with is Lumosity, and Lumosity is a computer game company. And yeah. we are using some of the tests that were generated by this computer game company because they're fun to take. They're colorful and fun to take. So we work with a company called Lumosity and another company called CogState, who also makes these neuropsychological tests. And people take the tests, and then we, we see how they do. That's basically what you do. Then can in I, the future, can I go back in? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sure, go ahead. sure, please. Go ahead. I was going to ask, can I go in as a user then and review my information or update it or try the game again, that sort of thing? Yes, you can. You, you can go back and... Uh, you can take the tests over, and you can retake uh, things. Uh, you can take the questionnaires over. And also, we will be prompting you. We will be sending email reminders about every three months or every six months for you to come back because we want to get what we call longitudinal information. That is, we, we don't just simply want you to go once. We'd like for people to come in and, and do all these things, which might take them 15 or 20 minutes at the most total, and then... Uh, Several times a year, we'd like people to come back because one thing that we're interested in is seeing if some people are changing. You see, the, the, uh, the best way to really get a handle on Alzheimer's disease is to catch it really early. That is, yeah. to catch it in people who are normal, who are just beginning to have a problem. And the best way to pick that up is by the performance on these neuropsychological tests. So we can look at the scores of the tests over time, and we might be able to see whether somebody is starting to, sh to go a little downhill. That person who's going downhill might be a very good candidate to go into a clinical treatment trial for an Alzheimer's drug, and that is the overall goal of this website, is to find people who we could then enroll into clinical trials. Oh, this is really wonderful. And I, so let's talk about the caregiver. Um, how is this registry going to help caregivers of those afflicted with, I think I know the answer, but I want, want to hear you uh, uh, explain this to our listeners. Well, this website is not designed 
to help the caregiver give better care to their loved ones. Uh, this site is really designed to do research. Uh, I would hope that caregivers, if they have some time, might be interested in participating in the website because they can participate in the research. After all, the only way we're ever going to get anywhere with this problem, the only way we're going to get good treatments is to get people involved in research projects. Yeah. And you can get involved in doing this research project just 15 minutes a few times a year, and you're participating in research. And it is possible that if you go to the Brain Health Registry and sign up and take all these tests, that at some point we might be in touch with you and say there is a treatment trial that's going to go on near where you live, and we'd like you, if you wish, to go see, uh, to go to this clinic, and maybe there will be a trial that is aimed at preventing Alzheimer's disease. Let me give you another example. Many caregivers are taking care of family members. They're taking care of their parents or uh, somebody else in their family. So caregivers very often have a family history of Alzheimer's disease or a family history of other problems like stroke or Parkinson's disease or maybe depression is in the family as well. So because people have family histories of these problems, they're concerned about whether they might be getting it themselves. That's a, that's yeah. a natural concern because mm -hmm. there is a hereditary or genetic component to these diseases. So as companies and academic uh, universities do research on subjects, they are often interested in people with a family history because we know that people with a family history are at risk. So this is a way for us to identify people out there across the United States who might have a family history or who might have a memory problem or who wish to be in research, and we identify them on the web, the cost is very low, and then we can be in touch and bring them in for clinical trials when they develop. And, you know, my, my guess, uh, Dr. Weiner, is that, you know, sometimes often caregivers have difficulty getting their loved ones to be tested, you know, at a clinic or something. This would be an I'm assuming an easier way to gain agreement from your loved one to uh, get onto this registry and to participate. Well, that, that's a thought. I mean, this registry is not designed to be a diagnostic. Uh, it's not clinical care. It's research. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it, it may be that if you have somebody in your family who's um, having some memory difficulties but doesn't really want to face up to it, yeah. Maybe having them go to this uh, website and signing up and taking the test, maybe they'll come to realize, gee, maybe they've got a problem, and maybe this would help them come to some better awareness of their own situation. This is often a problem, especially in the early stages of Alzheimer's. People either are not aware of their problem or they're really in denial. That is, they're aware of it, but they don't want to admit it. Exactly. <laughs> I think we've all seen that. I, I can yeah. tell you my mother was a perfect example of, uh, of a person who never really would admit that she had a problem. Even now when she has dementia, she would never admit that she's had a problem. She has a lot of pride uh, in her abilities, and uh, she's always thought that uh, the problem was with us, not with her. So this is very frustrating for caregivers because sometimes people want to be more independent than they really can be. And uh, 
the hardest time of my entire life. I mean, I'm a 72-year-old person, so I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not a youngster myself. But the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my entire life was deciding that my mother could no longer take care of herself. And uh, she was very angry at me, and uh, it really hurt. But I knew I had to do it because she was a danger to herself. So sometimes it's really hard for people to, to uh, come to grips with that. And if working with this website uh, helps caregivers uh, uh, deal with some of their loved ones, then, then, then that's great. Yeah. How is she doing now, uh, Dr. Weiner? Well, Your I'm mother. very fortunate. Uh, my, she's doing well. She really is doing well. My, uh, my parents, uh, my parents uh, grew up in the Depression, and they were people who scrimped and saved every penny, and uh, they put together a nice nest egg for themselves, and uh, it really paid off, especially for my mother. She's had excellent care, and uh, her physical health is good. And I mean, I talk to her on the phone. She knows who I am. I would say she is uh, showing a very, very slow decline. She's turning 99. I mean, you know. Oh, but my. She's getting, <laughs> she's getting around. She's having her meals. She's dressing herself with some assistance. She knows who I am. Uh, you know, she's not talking about uh, philosophy. I don't think she knows who the President of the United States is. I'm not sure she knows what yes. year it is. But she's happy. She's content. Yes. That's what's yes. important. We should all be so lucky. Absolutely. Mother, so it's, and it's she's worked out home, well, right? Yeah. No, no. Uh, she's in a uh, she's in a uh, a Alzheimer's care facility I in see. Southern California. It's, yeah. It's a facility which is just for Alzheimer's patients. It's not a nursing home. It's just for people with Alzheimer's disease. So it's just, it's a little sad to go in there because <clears throat> just about everybody there has uh, some level of dementia. Sure. Um, but for my mom, it's basically uh, it's a good place because she's getting the kind of care she needs. Will um, would the brain health registry um, be able to address? You know, people so much want to keep their parents or their spouses at home for as long as possible. Would the brain health registry affect the ability to be able to do that, Dr. Weiner? It's not designed to do that. I think that what we could do with the brain, it's an interesting idea you just bring up. The brain health registry could be used to do a research project on the topic of what's the best way to keep people at home. Uh, That is, uh, if enough people with this kind of issue signed up for the brain health registry, we could design questionnaires and track level of independence and try to see what issues related to uh, uh, failure to keep people independent at home and so forth. I mean, you've got to understand that the Brain Health Registry is essentially an online website which is designed to do research, and then there's all kinds of research projects that you can do on it, and one of those projects could be aimed at uh, promoting more, uh, more home care. Uh, I should mention that the Brain Health Registry is not just about Alzheimer's disease. Uh, it's about brain. So it can be used to study a, a traumatic brain injury. It can be used to uh, study concussions from sports. Or it can be used to study patients with multiple sclerosis or 
people with postmenopausal depression. Uh, it, it's really a tool that can be used for all kinds of neuroscience research, that is brain research, and we're hoping that many doctors and scientists and companies will take advantage of the registry. But for, for it to be successful, we need lots of people to sign up. So I'm hoping that some of the people who are listening to me will just take the time to go to their computer and sign up for the Brain Health Registry. Yes, and we'll provide uh, more information uh, just here toward the end of the show. Um, so, Doctor, how far along are we really in understanding the brain and how it works and how to identify people who have high bro- probability of memory loss and, or, or for any of these other diseases as well that you mentioned? Well, the brain is really complex, and uh, I think in some ways you could say we're only at the, really at the beginning of understanding the brain and its function, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's so fascinating because I've been involved with medicine for many years. We know a huge amount about how the heart works, a huge amount about how the liver works and the kidney and some of these other organs of the body, uh, but they are so, so simple compared to the nervous system. Uh, there's just no comparison in the complexity. So the, the, the easy part of science is behind us, you could say. Now we've got the really tough part to really understand the brain. We don't even, nobody really understands how memories are formed. Nobody really understands how memories are stored. I mean, you would think it's just a simple thing as that. But the actual ability, the mechanism by which a memory is stored and where is it stored, it's just not understood at all. Uh, and it's not easy to do research on that because you can't exactly get into humans' brains very easily. So most research on the basics of memory function is done in very small animals or sometimes even in worms or flies who have an ability to learn new things and, and uh, so they can look for the chemicals that are involved in, in memory. But it's a whole field of science. Now, in the case of Alzheimer's disease, we do know a lot about what causes Alzheimer's disease. We know that Alzheimer's disease is caused by the accumulation of two proteins, amyloid and tau. And we know a lot about these proteins now. We know uh, what genes make them, and we know exactly what their sequences are, their structure. So the, the chemists have done a very good job to identify two proteins that accumulate and damage the brain and cause Alzheimer's disease. So in a way, it's pretty simple. It's easy to say it's simple anyway. What we need to do is block the production or increase the removal of these two proteins, amyloid and tau. And up until recently, most of the research is focused on amyloid, but now increasingly people are also starting to look at tau. Also, just within the last few years, we've got new methods using PET scanning to measure amyloid in the brain of humans and to measure tau in the brain of humans. And we could never do that before. That's only since 2000. It's really very recent. So we can scan the brain and measure amyloid in tau. <coughs> uh, we, we know about these proteins. We can make antibodies to these proteins. So, and the pharmaceutical industry is spending quite a few billions of dollars every year <laughs> trying to find drugs that will lower brain amyloid level and brain tau level and then try them out in people with Alzheimer's disease. That's what the field is doing. So it's very exciting. Uh, We have a target. Uh, We have a way to measure the uh, effects of treatments on the targets. 
Uh, it's just the very slow process of doing these large trials. Uh, because if you're going to do a treatment trial in Alzheimer's disease, you need to maybe enroll 1,000 people across the United States. So you've got to find these people and study them and scan them and get their data into databases. And this costs a huge amount of money. So, uh, uh, but there's big money to be made. Somebody who develops a treatment that really works for Alzheimer's disease is going to make billions. And that's why there's so much money being invested, because there's going to be a payoff. So it's our capitalistic system at work. Uh, <laughs> we're making advances in diagnosis, for sure. Uh, in terms of treatments, uh, I don't think we're going to see anything on the market that could be prescribed for at least three to four years at the earliest. It'll probably be longer than that. Maybe five to ten years from now, we would be lucky if we had an effective treatment for Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. Well, you know, just before we went on air, um, Dr. Weiner and I were talking about the arts and um, talk about the complexity of the brain. And we all know people who have lost their ability to tie their shoes, but they can maybe paint a beautiful picture or they remember a poem or they can sing a song. Um, and so in many ways uh, to uh, for caregivers to uh, continue to encourage their loved ones to be a part of something they can still do and have high expectations for doing those things, um, I think is really important. And I know you do too, Doctor, because you just shared with me earlier on that you're a musician as well. That's right. Great. Well, we just have um, a couple more minutes. And so is there anything? question I haven't asked about the brain health registry that or or something that I have that you'd like to reiterate as you give our listeners the information about how to sign up for the brain health registry. Well, I think we've covered it. Uh, this is a way for everybody, even if they've only got 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a few times a year to uh, pitch in and help uh, science. Uh, it's uh, everybody wants to contribute, but we're all busy, and uh, we're not asking for dollars here. We're simply asking for people to spend a little bit of their time, show an interest, and join this registry, and there's no commitment. You sign in, you take some tests, and we, we're going to ask you to come back, but if you're busy, well, maybe you won't come back. Maybe in the future, we might ask you if you're interested in getting involved with some kind of a treatment study. And maybe you'll say yes, and maybe you'll say no. That's, uh, that will always be up to you. But we want to enroll tens of thousands of people in this, because you can imagine that if we have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that come into our data bank through the website, it's going to really speed up trials. And if we can speed up trials, we're going to speed up getting to a good treatment, and get, we're going to speed up getting to a cure. And that's what it's all about. So. Uh, uh, it's time that we really start using the Internet to help uh, stamp out Alzheimer's disease, and this is the way we're doing it. I think it's wonderful, and I want to clarify one more thing. Can a person like me, who I'm, don't, at least at this point, I'm not uh, suffering memory loss, any of us can sign up for this, right, doctor? Or is it people who Everybody are... Anybody can sign up as long as you're over age 18. In fact, we'd like young people to sign up. We'd like to get people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, right. people, maybe the grandchildren of patients, 
anybody can sign up because we'd like to look at the effects of aging. We'd like to see how young people are different from older people. Exactly. So we're looking for men and women and people. Uh, we want people of all, uh, not just Caucasians. We'd like people from all backgrounds, all religions, all races. Uh, we'd like everybody to sign up. doesn't matter what you have. You could, be, you could be having problems with alcohol. You could be having problems with sleep. Or you could be a completely healthy person. Uh, we're Great. interested in capturing your information, protecting your privacy, and using this uh, to... Uh, for research, it's a way to make the, the world a better place, and there's really no downside. Well, we thank you for making that world a better place. I look forward to the opportunity to talk with you again down the line and to find out what's happening and the progress that's being made. And I can't thank you enough, Dr. Michael Weiner, for coming on the show today. Many it's my thanks. pleasure. I look forward to uh, visiting the show again sometime. Bye-bye Absolutely. now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, and thank you to our listeners. Uh, thank you to eCareDiary.com for supporting this show. And if it's Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock Eastern, there's always a caregiver show. So please continue to tune in. We thank you very much, and good day. This is Marjorie Pabst, wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. <laughs>